Welcome to the Career Salon Podcast with the HR Twins. We're so happy to have in the salon with us today, Erica Jefferson, the president and founder of Black Women in Science and Engineering, otherwise known as BeWise, an organization focused on bridging the leadership gap for Black women in STEM. Erica received her MBA from Georgia Tech and her BS in Chemical Engineering from LSU. She has worked for top companies such as Amaco, BP, Chevron, and Praxair in a myriad of leadership and executive roles, ranging from sales and business development to supply chain and operations excellence. Her more than two decades of experience led her across the nation from Chicago to Greenville, Charlotte, Atlanta, and eventually Houston. Please welcome Erica into the Career Salon. Welcome to the Career Salon Podcast with the HR Twins. And we're back with a episode that has uh, been long awaited, long anticipated. Overdue. (laughs) Right. We have Erica Jefferson in the salon with us uh, for this episode. And I've been wanting to get Erica in the Career Salon on the podcast for like a long time and we were finally able to do it so welcome Erica thank you ladies I'm so excited (laughs) to be here I love what you all do so this is a treat for me too yes and we all you know we want our audience to get to know you get to know about what you're doing you have some you know interesting perspectives on a lot of different things in terms of technology um, STEM oriented professions uh, HR even though you're not an HR so (laughs) definitely want diversity equity and inclusion and these all are are all the topics that we like to talk about in the Career Salon podcast. So first, I want our audience to get to know about you. So Erica, tell us about you, yourself personally, and also Erica is the CEO of BeWise. So I want her to tell you all about her organization as well. Sure. So I'm so excited to be here. My name is Erica Jefferson. I am a chemical engineer by education and background and spent I won't even say how many years, but a lot of years working in various industry, manufacturing, oil and gas, just honing my craft before I moved over to the commercial side uh, and started working in more of the sales, business development, marketing roles. And so after so many years working in in that area, I got an opportunity to um, start this organization in Houston with, with what I thought was going to be just a few ladies. Uh, primarily in oil and gas that were uh, in the STEM fields. And now almost six years later, uh, we're looking at 2000 women around the globe who are uh, part of our organization. And then uh, many, many, many more uh, folks that we're connected to on LinkedIn. So just an incredible uh, journey for me as someone who was very technical and, you know, certainly didn't have any, ideas or plans to become an uh, entrepreneur. I say I'm an accidental entrepreneur, Mm -hmm. uh, but it's been quite a learning experience for me personally and certainly for uh, my career as well. So just, you know, just amazed that I'm able to finally pull all the things uh, of myself together and, uh, you know, make it successful and hopefully impact lots of organizations as well as our wonderful uh, members and supporters. That's awesome. I'll tell you all how I met Erica. So actually, I met Erica when I worked for another company that had nothing to do really with technology. (laughs) I met someone and met someone and then I got put on a panel and um, it was supporting, you know, Erica and BeWise. And I connected with her on LinkedIn or whatever, but I knew for some reason that 
I was eventually going to talk to her more in the future. I didn't know when. Mm -hmm. And so I got back into the tech industry and then we reconnected. But that just goes to show that you never know, like the connections that you make, Mm -hmm. how it's going to work out, you know, in the future. So you should always, you know, be professional and work on building that personal brand. And honestly, you know, since even that time that I met you, Erica, as far as building your personal brand, mm-hmm. you like levels. Like when you say level up, I think of Erica because, you know, even from the time she was already branding herself and happy wise. But even from the time that those few years ago that I met her to now, her personal brand has elevated even more. So I want you, we talk about this all the time with our, with our audience and we discuss it in the career salon. So talk to us about like how you built your personal brand um, and, you know, building not just with BeWise, but you personally mm-hmm. to go from a chemical engineer to all the things that you are now. Right. I, you know, I wish I had, I, I should write a book, but I wish I had <laughs> steps, you know, as engineers, we're very process oriented and I wish I had steps First, I did this and then I did that and then I did this. And this is how it all ended up. And I certainly do not have that. Uh, But as I look back over my career, I can certainly see how it was going to come together, like a 6,000 foot view, you know, when I was in the midst of all these things and and enduring some of these uh, challenges in my career, I couldn't see it. But all of the things that happened to me along my career, even back to my my uh, engineering education, mm-hmm. prepared me for for this moment. I tell the story that when I graduated, I graduated kind of off time, and uh, there weren't a lot of jobs for chemical engineers. So I took a job in retail, much to my parents' chagrin. They were like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> uh, but even that job in retail, I use that. Uh, in what I'm doing, you know, engineers are not known for being the most exuberant, outgoing, personal, <laughs> friendly folks. But I always thought of myself as a little different than most engineers. And when I was a young engineer, I would be on the on the manufacturing floor talking to the folks about their grandkids. And how is he doing? I heard he got yes. <laughs> right. And so I, I had a different experience mainly because I was much younger than the folks that I was working with, but also as a black female, I couldn't go in and boss them around, right? I had to build relationships with them so that they would do it, especially working in the South. I didn't have that same Mm -hmm. level of convincing them to do things as a manager, as I did with building a relationship with them. Mm -hmm. So even all of that you know, allows me to do these things with really no instructions, you know, as an entrepreneur, especially one who didn't plan to be an entrepreneur, you're really building the plane as you're flying it, right? Yeah. You're, you're not like, hmm, maybe I should do this. Usually it's just like, okay, we, we're doing this. Oh, okay, let's put that on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you want that now? Okay, we'll add that too. And so for me, it really hasn't been a conscious decision to do things, but it's been a realization of, oh, I know how to do that. Oh yeah, I kind of did something like that earlier in my career. So yeah, yeah. Like I, I turned down nothing. I turned down. I don't. I always evaluate. So I may still decide not to do something, but I always say, well, let me look at it first because strategically, and this is one of the things I talk to ladies about. We're not always strategic. We're looking at the very short term. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I would go to that that networking event, but I got so many things to do. 
Meanwhile, the people who are strategic understand you're planting seeds to, today that may not be harvested for years. I mean, I've had you know some clients that I met four or five years ago who are now just coming and saying, hey, we want to partner with you. You want to do something. So all of my experience and what I've learned have shaped me and prepared me, you know, not just as you said, to lead this organization, but how I brand myself. I don't even think about that. And I guess, you know, maybe that's, that, that's, that's where you should go is it's just you. It's just what you do. You're not like turning it on and off. I wake up this morning, I wake up in the morning like this, right? I go to sleep at at night like this. I'm like, oh, well, Erica, you know, this is just me all day, 24 hours a day. But I think that comes from, if you guys have ever heard this concept of ikigai, finally doing what you're meant to do, what you're put on earth to do, all those yeah. things brought you to that point. And so I just hope more people, not just women, um, could get that. What do you put on here to do? Not what you went to college for, or if you didn't go to college, what you've been doing for the last so many years, what are you supposed to be doing? What, mm-hmm. what did God breathe breath into you so that you could do every day? And so, you know, that's kind of my brand. And, you know, I always say that when you have confidence in what you're doing and what you're speaking about, yeah. I mean, sometimes, I mean, I've been places that I've been winging it. I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm just figure it out when I get <laughs> Listen, I love it. Times, and I tell people this, a lot of times, especially if you're an expert in your area, nobody knows as much as you. So I'm not encouraging people to falsify things or, or not, but don't get so stressed out that, oh my God, they're going to know. You're probably the only person who knows that, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, re- revel in that and, and be confident in yourself that, you know, who no one's going to challenge you because they don't know what you know. Right. Yeah. I want I want to go back to I know Camille knows you and has a connection. I want to go back so we can explain to our audience what exactly your organization Be Wise does and how you partner with people and consult with organizations. Yeah. So what started off as just an organization for women wanting to get together and network and share uh, information has expanded far beyond that. Uh, we now have corporate partners or I, say, I should say organizational partners um, that came to me shortly after, you know, we really started taking off and they're like, hey, I see all those talented women, you know, over there. I'd like to talk to them. And, uh, you know, thank goodness I do have an MBA because I was like, hmm, probably should figure out how to charge you for that. <laughs> Get those coins, Erica. You know, that, 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 uh, that, that degree kicked in. I'm like, wait a minute. Hey, profitability here. Um, so what started off is really trying to help on the women's career development side ended up expanding to helping these organizations who are serious about diversity. And so if anyone who follows me knows that I talk a lot uh, about accountability and, you know, what organizations should and shouldn't do. Mm-hmm. And there, there's still a lot of performative uh, DEI work going on. Mm-hmm. And listen, I that's a, hey, everybody's got their own bag. But however, folks that are looking for equitable places to work, inclusive places to work. They want to know that certainly if you're changing jobs, right, you're going to leave a place that you know, you're comfortable, you're familiar with to go to another place that they're making a good decision. And we're not even talking about salary here. We're talking Mm -hmm. about culture wise. We're talking about opportunities for advancement. And so our partners and no company is is perfect, but ours are very good. I think from what I've seen um, are serious because you have to be serious to go and reach 
you know, get your pocketbook or whatever uh, and, and pay, right? It's easy to do things for free. It's not as easy and far fewer companies uh, want to pay. So our corporate partnerships extend across a variety of different industries, um, different levels. We have some that we are really, really uh, engaged in and we consult with them on a regular basis, you know, even with their ERGs. Uh, we do some consulting with all of them because everybody could need some, could use some help. And I like to say that as an external um, to the company, I can say things that internal people can't say. Yeah. And uh, we're coming up on Juneteenth and uh, one of our first big corporate partners, which is a wonderful organization in Chicago called Morningstar. We did Juneteenth last year. And uh, at that town hall, I got to tell their chief uh, technology officer to just sit there close your mouth and open your ears. And you know, he was kind of like, I could see his expression. I was like, I know you've never been talked to before like that, especially not to a black female, but today is the first day. <laughs> <laughs> but, but that needs to happen. And I like to tell, you know, our corporate partners also that, you know, some of your employees are, are dealing with Tra- trauma from from things that have happened to their yes. it's not fair to ask them to relive that mm-hmm. especially for free you're not even going to compensate them for that it's not fair to ask them to relive it and then have have them sit with that so i said i i will be the buffer like i could tell you listen i got a gajillion stories that i've experienced what other people have experienced i could tell you what's going on i could tell you who's a racist who's not a racist but you know, leading towards that that direction without some correction. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's all you need. You don't need specific times, dates, because honestly, nothing's going to happen. It's not going to go to the EEOC. Nothing's going to happen. But what you can do as a leader is uh, be informed so you can uh, start making some changes in your organization. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. I, I mean, I love the work that you do. It's so many companies out here, Erica, that need help. Honestly, it's too many. Too it's many. Like, <laughs> you can yeah. only cover, you know, cover so much ground. But I wish more companies realize that they can't do the work internally, right? Mm-hmm. If your company is, you know, Apple, you make entertainment products, mm-hmm. right? Nobody expects you to make, uh, I won't say laptops, but nobody expects you to make office furniture. Like you mm-hmm. don't see, oh, well, we, we need some new office chairs. We got employees. No, they go and buy those. And so the same thing with with uh, DEI, because j- just the way it is, you can't be in there cooking the food and then, you know, serving it. Right. Yeah. Somebody has to be external to you and be like, hey, this don't taste right. And you have to be free to be able to say that. And if you're getting paid by the organization, you know, there's some career limiting conversations that you may have. And so people just aren't going to do that. That's just human nature. So I wish more companies would realize that and be serious. Don't just hire the figureheads. You know, I see so many DEI folks, former HR folks. There's one lady. I I just I was like, I can't with that (laughs) Um, because it was formative and it was so focused on her. Mm-hmm. You know, everything she, you know, shared uh, with her network was me, 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 me. And I was like, if I were a client, I would like you to be talking about, you know, what we did, you know, help promote us or or, or give us some more insight. Give us some tips that you're whoever you're working with. Of course, you can't share names or specifics. But if you're this DEI, you know, world renowned expert, can mm-hmm. you post about that? Because I follow you and I would, you know, read what you say and take that 
you know, into consideration. So I just, I hope, and maybe some folks are, you know, starting to understand that, that you can't do it yourself. Right. You can't do it yourself. And don't burden folks. This is a very sensitive type work with, with uh, having to do things, get some outside folks who are not tied to you that can speak freely and say what needs to be said, say the, the quiet things out loud. If you're serious about uh, real change. Right. We're going to take a quick break and hear from our sponsor anchor. But when we come back, I'm going to ask you about your thoughts on the future of diversity, specifically in the tech space and your thoughts around that. So we'll be right back. Okay, and we're back. So Erica, <laughs> I want to ask you about your vision or how you perceive the future of diversity to be in the tech space um, as we move forward and everybody's scrambling and trying to get things organized with DEI, hiring all the chief diversity officers and directors and, and all of that. What do you think it'll look like in like five to 10 years? Gosh, I honestly, I think the folks who figure it out and get it and understand are the ones who are going to survive. I, you know, there's, there's this perceived war for talent when there really isn't. I think what, what we're going to see is a lot of companies are like, that's what you've been doing all day. I thought you were out here looking for um, candidates. Right. There's going to be some eye opening uh, conversations (laughs) with leadership and their HR functions. Because the talent is there. If anybody's seen the movie Hidden Figures, you understand. Maybe you don't, but the concept mm-hmm. of Hidden Figures was that the reason why those those black women got that opportunity is because there were no white men, there were no black men, there were no white women, and that was the next level of folks. And so that's what we're looking at for talent, right? You know, there there's a shortage of white males to to do all this software development and all that. So, you know, eventually companies are going to get to the point where there's not enough warm bodies that they prior. They're traditionally would hire, right? There's not enough of the chosen uh, folks in these tech fields. So you're going to have to make them, which that takes time, right? Mm-hmm. Or you're going to have to hire the folks that you traditionally have overlooked. Mm-hmm. And so the folks that figure that out mm-hmm. and uh, start doing that, their business is going to be booming, right? Mm-hmm. You know, especially folks who've got government contracts. You know, they're able to meet the requirements of the contracts, whereas the other ones who who don't meet those requirements, they're going to lose those contracts. And then what happens? Right. This is just like in the jungle. Right. Mm-hmm. The big animal eats the little animal. So some of these companies that were dragging their feet on DEI are like, oh, we'll get to that. Don't worry about it. It's going to resolve itself. It just yeah. will look different. <laughs> <laughs> If you take your time. So, you know, in that regard, the uh, need for software developers and technical folks is not waning. Right. That's not slowing down. Mm -hmm. Right. And you can't crank them out fast enough. And and you want to hire folks who have some kind of semblance of understanding of the applications of what you're doing. Right. Software developer is great. But don't you want them to have an understanding of what they're doing in this chemical plant? And so, you know, the need for folks who understand that you can't get that right out of school. Right. You know, you have to have a couple of years under your belt. It's only going to increase. And so how are you going to find that? You know, companies are turning to HR technology more and more. And that's one of the things that we're really, you know, hoping to to assist. I see so many uh, black women in science and engineering going to HR. I don't know Mm -hmm. if they're tired of doing engineering or they feel like they can make a difference on the HR side. But I think you're going to see a a paradigm shift from just 
I say anybody who wanted to work in HR to now you're going to have to have some very clearly defined skill sets, right? You're going to have to have analytical skills. You're going to have to have have the ability to, 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 to look at large amounts of data, not be scared of math. And so, you know, when when the dust settles, I think we're going to have a whole different way of recruiting and hiring. We have to because mm-hmm. the recruiting process is currently broken. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that has yeah. to be repaired uh, because they just can't handle the onslaught of what's coming. Um, right. And the technical, you know, I listen, I'm an engineer and some of the things that they're talking about, I don't even understand. So, you know, I, I would I would gather that someone who doesn't even have any, you know, technical background would have a hard time understanding the concepts of trying to hire these folks, right? There's mm-hmm. 15,000 software languages out there. How are you going to keep up with that and understand what that means and why it's important, what that person has to do with that? So I think the talent management is going to become more sophisticated and certainly require more technical and analytical knowledge, mm-hmm. uh, inside experience. And I'm not sure where some of the folks who are currently working in HR are going to go. Um, but I mean, we've we talked about that earlier, we're, we're going to see a large uh, reduction in folks uh, across the board in these companies. They're just not going to hire that many HR people. Yeah. That way they don't have to let them go when the economy turns and they have to start uh, laying off people. Right. So I know that you're in the STEM field. A lot of the women you work for are in the STEM field. Mm-hmm. And if you talk to like recruiters, you'll see that they're saying that, oh, we can't find anybody for this tech role. Mm-hmm. A layer deeper, there's mm-hmm. also saying, we know we can't find any Black people for this mm-hmm. tech role. Where do you think the disconnect is for what they see as a challenge of not being able to find people that they're looking for? And especially if they're trying to you know, absorb the message and put their money where their mouth is, to go look for minorities in STEM? I think we're going to have to have a whole reset on on on, on how to recruit. I, I hear this all the time. We can't find anybody, but you're doing Boolean searches all day, right? It's, especially in, in areas that you're not even supposed to be on social media. So when I hear yeah. you say, oh, I'm trying to find people with security clearances, they're not supposed to be on social media. So I'm not sure how you're going to find them. You know, one of the things that always made me wonder is, you know, prior to, you know, the pandemic, you know, there was a conference in every city every day. But yet when you would go to these technical conferences, not an HR person, not a recruiting person, no one, even as something as basic as these meetups, right, never show up. And so, you know, I kind (laughs) of just roll my eyes whenever I hear folks say, we can't find the talent. I'm like, you can't sit at your desk all day. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Would you think they just going to show up? (laughs) Hey, I'm here. So, you know, that's why I said you're going to have to have a whole different type of of a person uh, that's, you know, ready to hit the street. And I realize companies are like, no travel, no this, no cost, but you have to get creative. The rest of us in the, in the business are creative. Okay. And I tell the story that, you know, finance has gotten uh, faster, better. Uh, Manufacturing has got faster, better. Marketing and sales have gotten faster, better. Uh, Health and safety has gotten faster, better, but HR has gotten slower and worse. (laughs) Hey, well, that just can't be. That just won't stand. I mean, I, you know, folks listening, hopefully they don't take offense to that. I'm just telling 
truth. Yeah. But you, you can't continue. The other functions can't continue to progress and, and have technological advances. And you don't. Mm-hmm. Right. Especially when you're kind of the gatekeeper for, for getting talent in the door. So I think that what's going to have to happen is you're going to have to get creative. It doesn't cost anything to attend a meetup. Right. You're just going to yeah. have to think out of the box. And, you know, I have stories. Stories. Uh, I've had, you know, some recruiters tell me that hiring managers have told them not to look at any candidates that apply through their career site. And I was like, uh, uh, don't understand. <laughs> like, um, did you say that in English? Because I, wow. I heard you right. You know, then I have, you know, stories of recruiters. I had a, a colleague and she was looking for women in a particular industry. And she said, I just can't find them. And when I told her there was a whole organization of women in that field, she just kind of stared at me like that was a simple Google search like that, (laughs) you know, (laughs) even require a lot of research. Mm -hmm. And Like, I mean, I hate to say it's it's a day of reckoning. And so companies are going to have a higher level expectation of what recruiters are going to do and the folks that can't adapt and adjust. I mean, I don't know what to tell them, right? Because uh, it's and, and, and it's 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 leadership. Because you know, we all know that leadership cares about what profitability. Mm-hmm. Turn to the shareholders. That's you know, that's what they care. You know, DEI is wonderful, and we all should want that. But at the end of the day, they have expectation that the shareholders are going to get so much money back. Yeah. And so do that, and so in this regards, if they are needing talent and not able to find the talent and that is causing, you know, work stoppages or whatever, bottom line is they're, they're, they're going to bring, that's so why I tell people like, this is, <laughs> you got to get on top of this because this HR technology is already here, right? Mm-hmm. The only reason it's not more widespread is people don't quite know how it works yet. Right. It's already here. Right. And so there is, on my part, and I think other people's concerns is the people, if, if you thought things were, were, were kind of challenging before, as far as diversity, the systems that are being used, and I won't say the name we talked about earlier about oh, one yeah. company has several lawsuits in several states about what they're doing as far as diversity. And, and the people who are building the algorithms, the artificial intelligence, they're not diverse. They have, I don't think they've even asked anybody, hey, could you come and look at what we're doing and make sure that it's, you know, it's equitable and fair. They're just mm-hmm. doing it. And companies are snapping it, snapping that up like it's, uh, I don't even know. They're, they're buying that. And I'm concerned, A, because the folks who are ultimately going to use it, you know, the the, appli- the people who are going to use the applications may not be savvy enough to understand what's in the black box, right? All you mm-hmm. know is it's out. You don't know what bias it has yeah. in the software. And so you're using it, think, well, you know, that just, it, obviously all the smartest people have blue eyes and blonde hair. So that's why, you know, we don't have any diversity. But by that time, it'd be too late. It'd yeah. So, you know, that's why we're so, you know, interested in in, in getting involved in, in this early on, uh, why you can still make a change. There's a wonderful documentary that talks about the challenges of bias in, in artificial intelligence Yeah, um, that's embedded, that's embedded. It's not like, oh, well, you know, you can change it. No, you can't change it. It's embedded. All the systems are built on that. And so this is not about, you know, changing a field or something like that, because the code, whatever is in that black box has already been set by folks who are not diverse, who don't understand, you know, the social economic issues associated with working and all that stuff. And I just fear that 
you know, if you thought there were issues with, you know, finding diverse candidates before, you're going to have even more problems. Yeah. You know, this gets more widespread. Yeah. And I, I tell my, I tell, you know, recruiters that I know and, you know, a team and, if you don't want to be in marketing, if you don't want to be in branding, you shouldn't be a recruiter. Exactly. Because recruiting is not the same anymore. If you nope. want if you're not able to tell the story of your company, why people should work there and also mm-hmm. extend your hands of welcome prior mm-hmm. to a candidate even looking at your company so that they can see that your environment is genuine. Mm-hmm. It's going to allow them, it's going to create that psychological safe space. Mm-hmm. Um, for a lot of people, especially if you want diversity um, exactly. in your organization, candidates are challenging recruiters. Exactly. Challenging recruiters. Inform me. Sell me on this opportunity. Mm-hmm. Right. Because whether people want to believe it or not, minorities are in mm-hmm. like. Right. Yeah. And mm-hmm. a lot of opportunities are out there. But the people are they're not just going to go anywhere. Mm-hmm. They're going to make an educated decision because for so long they've endured the microaggressions. They've mm-hmm. endured the like places where they have to stay silent and they have to mm-hmm. code switch and all these different things. So now the environment, the landscape has shifted. Exactly. And so if you're in recruiting, you have to, it, it's, you know, you talk about technology, but I really feel like recruiting is. You know, you definitely have to know how to build a talent brand and mm-hmm. to support that and also put yourself out there talking to people, networking. Like you said, um, Erica, stepping from behind your computer. I know everything is virtual now, but mm-hmm. you can do some stepping away from like the ATS mm-hmm. and kind of putting yourself out there, um, mm-hmm. being um, interactive on social platforms and things mm-hmm. like that. But it's more than just flipping through resumes like back in the day is much more of a marketing uh, spin to it and getting in people in front of people and being able to sell yourself, the company, the story of the company, the why now that's important. The why. And and I want to say too, LinkedIn cannot be the DEI solution. It just can't. Like you can't just say, okay, I'm going to get out there. I'm going to do extra. I'm going to look on LinkedIn and see who I can poach. That it, Let's see what black people are uh, online right now. We can't either. <laughs> I think that's what has happened. We've taken, you know, the laziest, you know, method to get things done instead of doing the real work. And it's hard. The real work is hard. It's not fun. It may be, you know, uncomfortable. But if you don't do that, people can sense inauthenticity, but they can sense that the the people who are the most authentic, like, you know, we've done, you know, things with Camille and people just can see that she just exudes, you know, you know, grace and happiness and joy. (laughs) So people are like, I want some of that. Like, I have a miserable where I am. I want to come where she is. And, you know, it wasn't that, always like that. Well, well, you know, as we grow, we learn. <laughs> but now, yes. <laughs> but, I, you know, I think people make it rocket science. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. there's really hard things out there, but this is not one of them. How about just don't be a jerk? How about that? Can you that could be the title of your book, Erica. Just don't, yeah, be a jerk. don't be a jerk. Just don't be a jerk. Right? How just don't be a jerk. 
right? That's not so hard. Yeah. You know, and then, you know, in, in, in terms of, you know, as we spoke about, you know, how do you make a real, listen, I tell the story when I was in college that there was a, I guess it was a midsize uh, company that hired engineers and they uh, bought pizza every Friday to the students, right? If you didn't have, you know, anything to eat, you know, you didn't have a meal card or whatever, you knew you could go to that social and get you some pizza. And so when, you know, the career fair came, they would have a long line of students and here are all the major blue chip fortune 50 companies were standing there like, we pay way more than they do. We have way more jobs than they do. How do they get all those, you know, students over there? And they were like, because they built relationships with them. Right. You just showed up when it was time to hire folks. You didn't do anything. You haven't asked them, how are your grades? You haven't done any of that. And I, I feel like, you know, why, when did it get so hard to be a decent human being? Like, yeah, when did we go like, oh, I really have to think about, you know, treating you with respect. Like, mm-hmm. when did we get so far away from that? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Those relationships, they matter. It's mm-hmm. more it was more of an oven versus a microwave now. Right. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. You build these things, you plant them, I mean, you don't stand and watch them like I'm watching this relationship grow. Right. You should be nurturing other relationships. And then you're like, oh, look at that growing over there or look at this happening over here. That's, you know, certainly that's how we have been able to grow our brand. And what we do is because we're doing so much all the time. We're not just sitting waiting on things to happen. We're making things happen. And then, you know, while we're working over here, something's growing over there. And so I, I hope that's that's where some folks, the more enlightened folks are headed, that plant those seeds. There are recruiters who don't ever have to beg people to apply for their jobs. They're like, hey, got these jobs. People are lined up to talk to them. And I'm not talking about people at, you know, the certain big tech giant companies. But, you know, these recruiters have built a following, um, have convinced folks that their company organization is the place to be. Mm-hmm. And they don't spend a lot of money because most times you don't have money to spend. Right. Yeah. And it's not hard. It's really not hard. I take it back. If you find it hard, then this is probably not the role for you. It's probably not the role for you. Yeah. If you find it just so, oh, my God, I can't do this. There's probably something else that's that's your calling that you're better suited for because it shouldn't be hard. You're helping people. Mm-hmm. Right. You're helping people, you know, from the candidate side, get a new opportunity. And from the corporate side, get some new talent in so they could, you know, do incredible things. Okay. Mm-hmm. Erica, we're getting to the end of our podcast, unfortunately, but we don't want to leave here today without you being able to talk about what's next for you, what's next for your organization and what you're bringing to the world. Oh my gosh. Well, that could <laughs> That could be another hour (laughs) of the time. We've got a lot of wonderful things. We've got some new wonderful corporate partners that we're announcing. We're so excited. You know, some folks that are doing really innovative and creative things that I think folks would you know, be really excited to work with. So stay tuned for that news. You know, we're always trying to educate, enlighten, empower uh, folks. So we'll be continuing to do our seminars and sessions on all different industries and technologies, because I think, of course, knowledge is power. And that's sometimes what, you know, women and, and underrepresented groups don't get exposed to things, right? They're the last to know about these technologies. And by the time they find out, it's saturated, right? There's no jobs left. So we'll 
continue to be bringing that to our our wonderful family. We call it a family. We we'll call it a network. We call it a family of folks. And hopefully we'll get some folks, you know, making some big changes in their careers or starting businesses. That's all. also one of my my twin twin passions is also entrepreneurship for women of color in STEM. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll just continue to, to be a resource and hopefully a light. Uh, for folks who are uh, wanting to grow and, and thrive and, and do some incredible things in their life and careers. That's so awesome. How can people follow you or find you or find BYs? Yeah, well, pl- you could follow me, Erica Jefferson on LinkedIn. I'm all over the place on there. Uh, we also have a BYs company page. Uh, please follow us on there as well as on Twitter and Facebook. But I'll be honest, I don't do as much on Facebook. But we are all over uh, uh, social media. So if you even just go to Google and type in black women, <clears throat> black women in science and engineering, we're going to probably come up first. Okay. So join us, connect with us, attend some of our events, listen to this podcast and, and get your, as a kid say, get your life. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Thank you so much, Erica. We appreciate your time. We know you are very busy. But definitely, I see Erica doing so many wonderful things. If you are in STEM or if you are in HR or if you're in diversity, equity and inclusion, please follow um, Erica on LinkedIn. She drops gems of wisdom daily. (laughs) You will get your life following her. And also, if you're an organization that needs assistance with hiring Black women in, in science and engineering, feel free to connect with her there as well. We really appreciate your time. And thank you. I have one more thought. Okay. You two ladies are phenomenally amazing. <laughs> thank and you. I just want to give kudos to you all for doing what you do. I, I love create, creative endeavors when people bring create something out of nothing. I've never seen twin podcasts. I love that. (laughs) So I just want to tell you guys, keep doing what you're doing. You're amazing. Phenomenal. I love it. I wish I had a twin. Um, I would do a podcast. So I just want to thank you all for all the wonderful things that you do to educate folks as well. Thank you so much, Erica. We appreciate it. My cheeks are hurting from smiling so much. <laughs> we thank I love you so you much. Amazing. <laughs> We're going to wrap it up. Like I said, um, you can follow Erica. You can also follow us on um, all social media at the Career Salon. And our podcast drops uh, bi-weekly on Wednesdays at 8 a.m. Central. Feel free to listen to our sponsor, Black in HR. And we are out for this episode. Thank you. Bye. Now a word from our sponsor, Black in HR. What is Black in HR? It's a community of over 5,000 Black HR professionals around the country who share jobs, uplift each other, and meet for social events. The mission is to create a safe space and one-stop shop for Black HR professionals to grow, network, and learn. As a member of the community, you have access to partnership with some of the largest organizations in the world. You have experts available to educate and train you and also set you up for success navigating your career. If you would like to partner to post jobs, if you are looking for this type of community to share and gain knowledge, or if you're simply lost in HR, go to theblackinhr.com to get started. This is Carla, the HR expert. And this is Camille, the recruiting expert. And we're the HR twins. You just finished an episode of the Career Salon podcast. Be sure to follow us on all social media platforms 
at The Career Salon. And don't forget to subscribe and follow on all podcast platforms for upcoming episodes.